You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. God, I haven't even been single for like five minutes. And already, already you think that I am just going to strip off my clothes and do you right here because I don't know. God, you know, how sick and deluded are you? You know what? Why don't you just go off and get yourself a goddamn life, asshole? Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you are nostalgic about, the ones you grew up watching, and we watch them objectively without the rose-colored glasses, let you know, are these movies any good, or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watch 1998's teen rom-com, Can't Hardly Wait. Ooh, and we've been waiting for a long time for this, Brandon. That we have. Yesterday's history, tomorrow's the future, tonight's the party, dude. Thanks. That was a tagline. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I figured, yeah. I, we're almost 100 episodes in. I understand when you're doing the tagline, and I understand when you're making bad jokes. Fuck, this it. guy. Yeah. yeah, they both happen frequently, I guess. Uh, yeah. An episode that's been requested by a number of folks, though, over the years. Most recently, the guys from the Thrill Me Podcast Australia had mentioned how this is kind of a favorite of theirs. Hadn't seen this one in a while, Zach. Gotta be honest, it's probably been 15 years since I've sat down to watch Can't Hardly Wait. What about you? Yeah, uh, it. I don't know if it's been 15 years. I've probably seen it a lot more recently than that, but it has been a long time. It's been a while since I've seen a movie that I actually feel nostalgic about. I, I, we do a lot of movies on this podcast kind of that I feel like a lot of other people are nostalgic about. I don't always feel that way. Sure. This one was a movie that I remember watching in my friend's pool house. Just like super late at night, we you know it was before we drank or or smoked weed or anything like that. So it was just you know like friends up late at night by themselves watching Can't Hardly Wait. And man, I fucking loved this movie growing up. I thought it was so fucking funny. And it's one of those movies, and we'll dive more into I think our assessment of it in a bit. But um. It's one of those movies that I I really could never tell if it was a parody of parodies or, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's so goofy and it's so, it was always so just kind of loose, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So, but a movie that I really loved growing up and such a quintessential 90s movie. Oh my God. Have to agree with you, man. Yeah, I have a similar experience where I watched this a couple of times with friends at a buddy's house. And it's an interesting time in my life because, you know, we were like 11, I think, probably 10 when I saw this movie or so. And you're picturing what high school parties would be like without any sort of experience that relates to that. And so this movie, we also mentioned our experiences with American Pie, a previous episode. These two movies kind of shaped what I hoped high school could be like. Strange enough, though, I have a much richer knowledge and appreciation for a film that parodied this a couple years later. Not another teen movie. It was a movie I watched far more frequently. And so rewatching this movie this time, I was reminded of that movie far more than my experiences with actually rewatching Can't Hardly Wait. (laughs) It's funny because I also, that's a a movie that I've thought about a couple of times, not another teen movie. But I always managed to separate because I, I always understood what not another teen movie was going for. And I've always made fun of like American Pie. You know, I've always made fun of the movie, the idea that like a bunch of guys like are making a pack to fucking 
get laid before prom. I always make fun of that shit. But this one was kind of one of those movies that just like, for whatever reason, I never made fun of it. It always just kind of stuck in my heart. I de- like it was. It's really tough to explain this movie, for all its flaws, and there's a there's a few flaws. Movie <laughs> we'll we'll get into it, but for all its flaws, it always had a place in my heart, and I just <laughs> I don't really have an explanation why. So I was really really excited to rewatch this. This is written and directed by a team, Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan. They would go on to direct only one other movie, Josie and the Pussycats, in 2001. Ooh. And uh, they also helped co-write a few movies like Leap Year and Maid of Honor, which I think was that Patrick Dempsey Maid of Honor. Clever uh, pun in the title there. You get it. Made yeah. M-A-D-E for those of us who can read, Brandon. Just in case. Oh, <laughs> fucking shots fired right out the gate, Zach. Yep, there we go. Can't Hardly Wait has a 6.5 on IMDb, a 42% on Rotten Tomatoes. Cost $10 million to make it, earned $25 million in the U.S., and was not released internationally, so that was its entire box office haul. Placed 74th on the charts for the year of 98, just behind Great Expectations and ahead of Fallen. Now, for those who have no prior history with this movie, it's basically just a high school graduation party told through various perspectives, following in the footsteps of movies like American Graffiti, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and and my personal favorite, Dazed and Confused. Yep, and I don't know if you have this note. Maybe I'm stealing it from you, Brandon. I never for this show. You do. Um, (laughs) But one of the things I read was that the creators of this movie, uh, inspired by some of these 80s high school movies, but they always said their favorite parts of the movie was the party. The, the the party that people had to go to, so they just decided to make an entire movie based around the party. Yeah, and let's be honest, they get right to it. I do like that. Yeah. The film takes its name from the replacement song of the same title from their 1987 album, Please to Meet Me, which plays over the closing credits. The soundtrack for this film, by the way, holy shit, very popular, Ooh. ended up peaking at number 25 on the Billboard 200 chart. And it's a now that's what I call music worthy lineup of 90s all-stars, oh, man. Speaking of all-stars, Smash Mouth, twice. Smash Mouth makes an appearance twice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this movie is essentially a mix CD that I, I feel like... Almost every song on this in this movie, at one point, turned onto a CD. Hell yeah! Third Eye Blind, Blink One Eighty Two, Busta Rhymes, Missy Elliott, Sublime, White Zombie, dude, it goes on. It's it's impressive to say the least. Yeah. Not sure if you remembered the "Can't Get Enough of You, Baby" music video by Smash Mouth, which featured clips from this movie. I do. Uh, Smash Mouth, I mean, is probably the one thing from this movie I sort of boxed out of my mind a little bit here, but I do... What are you talking about, man? Wait, uh, I know we've talked about the group uh, several times on the podcast before, but... Once or twice. Remind me, what's your favorite song from uh, Smash Mouth? What's your favorite Mm. Smash Mouth hit? I'm sure it comes off Astro Lounge, that quintessential album. Oh, yeah, who can forget Astro Lounge and the songs like... um... Can't Get Enough of You, Baby, and All-Star, and uh, Walking on the Sun actually came before that, so that's not on that album. I was going to say, you know, I was probably going to say Walking on the Sun might be my favorite song yeah. from Yeah, well, they use that twice in this movie. Yeah, or their Monkeys cover, um, so a song that they didn't even write. Well, like we said, it did receive mixed reviews upon release. Roger Ebert gave the film one and a half out of four stars. He wrote... It's the kind of movie that somehow succeeds in moving very, very slowly, even while proceeding at a breakneck pace. It cuts quickly back and forth between nothing and nothing. It doesn't have the zing of life and subversion that the best high school movies always have. But 
That being said, Entertainment Weekly ranked at number 44 on their list of the 50 best high school movies of all time. That, of course, list did come out in 2012. Since then, we've gotten some pretty good ones like, uh, you know, Edge of Seventeen, Booksmart, Mural and the Dying Girl. There's been a good couple good ones, so I don't know if it'd make the cut in 2020, but we'll let you know. I, just, <laughs> I like that you had to bring up that it was 44 out of 50. <laughs> yeah, it was just scraping, man. Yeah. Yeah, yikes. And the project was actually approved by Columbia Pictures in mid-1997 following the success of Scream, and it boasts quite the cast of actors, most notably for a number of before-they-were-famous appearances by teen stars. Jennifer Love Hewitt among them. You know, you've got... You got, you were probably shocked when Jason Segel popped up. Holy shit, yes. Eating some watermelon, very strangely. MJ Hart, though. Yep, that's right. <laughs> as recently as May of 2019, Jennifer Love Hewitt has revealed that she's developing Can't Hardly Wait 2 with plans to direct it herself. The concept revolves around the reunion of the original high school gang from the 98 film. Ugh, pass. <laughs> just, a, just, a, just a hard, hard pass for me. Out here in California, I actually attended a, a party with Jennifer Love Hewitt, and her husband was there. You know, I, we, we made eye contact briefly, but I didn't get a chance to get introduced or anything. But it was quite the surreal moment living my through my, you know, middle school years of being like, oh, my God, if I ever met Jennifer Love Hewitt at a party, what the hell would I do? Turns out I would just glance knowingly, a gesture of like, I know who you are and just go about my life. Holy fuck. You never brought this up to me off air, buddy. Yeah, man. Let's just say I was holding that in the old arsenal of uh, stories. But to you didn't do to, anything to, about oh, it. So like it I'm not a... Yeah, like yeah, that, that's why. Honest, that's yeah, why I've never because told you, you knew I'd lay into you, and you know what? Shame on you for holding off until the podcast. You should have kept this off air. You're a fucking loser. Dude. You should have said something. <laughs> fucking just go up and say something to her. Oh my fucking God. loser! I should have given her a note like they do in this movie. They give her a note and fucking I know what you did last summer. She just constantly getting notes. You should have told me off air. This is stupid of you, but go ahead. Keep. I am very sorry. Very sorry. Well, lastly, let's just get right in. Uh, the film did receive an R rating due to MPAA objections about the depiction of teens drinking alcohol at an unsupervised party and drug use, but the film was recut to receive a PG-13 rating, and it's for teen drinking, sexuality, and for language. All right, man. Well, we begin with an MTV music video edited graduation. There's no faces, just hands, feet, cap, gowns, lots of cuts. There's also little bits of rumors and random conversations we catch. Apparently the girl from gym class is throwing a rager of a party tonight and everyone's going. And oh, this, of course, all set to some Eve 6. <laughs> oh, yikes. <laughs> the ultimate bit of gossip, Mike Dexter dumped Amanda Beckett. Holy fuck. Oh, fuck. And no one is happier than Preston Myers. <sighs> Can we talk about the names in this movie really quick? <laughs> Preston Myers, Mike Dexter, Amanda... Beckett? Forgot, Beckett, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, yeah, so there's some good. there's some white bread suburban names for sure. And this guy, Preston Myers, played by Ethan Embry. I remember this guy most from That Thing You Do and Vegas Vacation. He's also in a 90s movie we keep getting recommended to do that I've never seen called Empire Records, which we may have to cover at some point. I like this guy whenever he pops up. He's in a he's been in a couple of good movies recently like The Guest and Blind Spotting and Cheap Thrills. Mm. But 
Preston, along with a ton of these other characters, gets a freeze frame with some fucking info. Zach, I did not remember this device, and I could do without it. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. <laughs> because honestly, and and this really just goes back to me not being able to name off all the characters in a movie. Uh, <laughs> Go back and listen like to an the old 90, man, like, yeah, Who is this? Go back and listen to the ninety-five or six other episodes that we've done on this show, <laughs> and I can never remember the character's name. This helped me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh, great. This great. is perfect. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind it. I, you know, Brandon, I I'm gonna get this out of the way right now because it's my main holding point for this movie. I am not sure how seriously anything in this movie is being taken. You know what I mean? Like, there's some high school movies that you watch, and they would use this device, and it, it it's, you know, the rest of the movie comes off very seriously, or it sets, like, sort of a tone that, you know, this is what this movie is. This movie, to me, strikes it as, like, it knows it's kind of a cheesy device. Yes, yes. It's a party movie. It's all about the energy of trying to just pump these guys up. And you could tell from the get-go they're setting a very broad comedic tone. So, yeah, these don't rub me the wrong way altogether. They're just kind of stupid and silly. And I, Exactly. Oh, yeah, they are. Um, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would never see this in a movie now. No fucking way you would ever see this. Unless you're Mick G, dude. Did you ever see the movie The Babysitter on Netflix? Mm, that movie's littered with these things. No. <laughs> Why the fuck would I do that? Um... <laughs> No, but, you know, this movie, though, it does, like, it's kind of bizarre because it is, it's an 80s movie, but it's made and set in the 90s. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. It, it's really close to John Hughes, but it tries to be a little more Kevin Williamson, kind of Dawson's Creek. They try to, you know, gussy it up yes. to the 90s frame of reference, I suppose. Sure. But his little freeze frame says he's he's going to Dartmouth, he's an honor student, and his yearbook quote was, Beware of all enterprises that require new clothes. <laughs> Thoreau. Preston believes it's fate that Amanda's now single the very night he's attending the same party as her. He's telling this all to his best friend, Denise Fleming, played by Lauren Ambrose. She went on to be a singer of a band. She was also in Six Feet Under, I think, and has been nominated for a Tony now on Broadway. Yep. Her freeze frame says she's going to NYU. She has no activities. Her quote was, a true friend stabs you in the front. Oscar Wilde. Oh, that's how you know she's dark, dude. Yeah, she's definitely the intellectual of the group. Too cool for school. Can we talk a little bit about Preston's uh, storyline and how Oh, we can't. Fuck up this is yes we can because so so preston is leaving tomorrow he's going to school but he can't leave without finishing what he believes he started with amanda four years ago ever since her first day of school so we flash back to freshman year set to a little walking on the sun <laughs> and preston is the very first person to see amanda beckett enter huntington hillside high but we never see her face it's always obscured and then he's convinced just because she's sat next to him and that they're both eating the same fucking Pop-Tart that they're meant to be, right? Yeah, I mean, he takes, like, a lot of weird signals from this movie. Like, at one point, he hears the song Mandy uh, on the radio and is, like, convinced he's like, Mandy, Amanda, why would this song be playing right now? Why would they be playing Barry Manilow on the radio? <laughs> you fucking psycho, dude. Ugh. Yeah, dude, this kid is fucking delusional. And he thinks he's blown his one shot because when she first was seated, the teacher asked, like, would anyone like to escort her to the principal's office or whatever or something? And Mike Dexter steps up to do so, and they would go on to then date for the next four years. Dexter 
he's the real, uh, you know, Ryan Phillippe in the movie. He's played by Peter Facinelli, and uh, wow. <laughs> Just fucking wow. Brandon, if you had to take one shot at who you think my favorite character in this movie is, who do you think it would be? <laughs> Dude, you're a Mike Dexter through and through. Oh my God, absolutely. I know, sadly, you'd peg me for a Kenny Fisher type of guy thinking he's the best character in this movie, the Seth Green character. Mm, I want to vehemently yeah. deny those charges right now. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Uh, that is an yeah. upset. It's probably yep, the nerd. I know. You're probably a nerd fan, aren't you? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. That's what I was literally thinking right now. Who the fuck are these guys do I even like? I don't know, man. I don't know. Oh, uh, well, now you have to go back and pick one, and I can see it working through your mind. Like, even though you just said it on air, it's fucking the Seth Green character, isn't it? <laughs> it can't be. It can't be. Look, no, well, I'll it pick is. a character as we get through these I guys. I can All tell. Right. No. I'm taking uh, three to one odds that it's going to end up being fucking the Seth Green character. <laughs> Peter Facinelli, he'd go on to be in the Twilight movies and Nurse Jackie, but Mike Dexter, man, you know, his freeze frame reads, varsity football, baseball, wrestling, track, homecoming king, and his quote, just win, baby. (laughs) Al Davis, owner of the Oakland Raiders. (laughs) Okay. Ew, that is a gross person to quote. (laughs) It's it's beautiful. It's funny. This guy's fucking sweet, dude. We see him chilling with his crew of friends. There's Save the Last Dances and Halloween Resurrections' Sean Patrick Thomas, as well as Freddy Rodriguez. Those were the only two I recognized. Rodriguez, by the way, was that guy with the one jacked arm in Lady in the Water. Remember that guy? <laughs> yes. Weird. <laughs> so weird. Uh, and they're all talking about how hot Amanda is, and Mike's all, eh, she's whatever for a high school girl, because he's looking forward to college women. He just broke up with her because he heard that 93% of women are sexually active at college. That means they're just walking around thinking, like, should I go to school or should I bone? <laughs> Which means he has a 93% chance of getting laid. <laughs> no curfew. <laughs> women on the pill. The future is women. And so the whole crew decides to break up with their girlfriends, too, so they could spend the summer and that night hooking up. And all these, all of them start shouting like, Mike Dexter's a god. Mike Dexter is a role model is what one guy says. Literally says Mike Dexter is that's a role so, model. Stop. It's so good. That, that's the funniest part of the movie to me is when they're just fucking, Mike Dexter's a god. Like, I'll tell fuck? you my favorite, my biggest laugh's coming up in a bit. And it, again, I will tell you that I didn't remember almost any of these jokes because again, it's been a while. But man, some of these side characters... <laughs> there are some of the best lines given throughout here, honestly. Dude, there's a couple of lines in this movie that my friends and I quoted extensively throughout our entire, throughout high school, easily. Mike Dexter's a god might be one that I bring back, though. Because, <laughs> like, like, they're just driving away in a pickup truck yelling to no one in particular, Mike Dexter's a god. Like, who in high school would, like, if you had seen, like, a group of guys just, like, worshipping this one uh, dude in high school like you'd have fucking laughed your ass off at these guys like you see it's it's moments like this where you can't tell me you watch this movie and think like oh they're taking this super seriously no yeah exactly exactly and i like i like honestly how they they wrote in the script very specifically when would bounce back and forth between characters it doesn't seem like it was all assembled in the edit room because there's a lot of these nice like sound cuts here. Like after everyone's like, Mike Dexter's a god, he's a role model. Then we hear Mike Dexter's an asshole. And we cut to William Lichter, played by Charlie Cosmo. This was actually his final screen role. He had been a child actor in Dick Tracy and Hook and retired after this movie. Oh. But 
his freeze frame reads he's the valedictorian captain of all these teams it actually like scrolls because there's so many that you can't put it all in one page he's the nerd who's clearly been bashed oh he's been bashed Um, and honestly probably needs more he's going to harvard and his quote is all great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds einstein He's planning revenge on Mike Dexter with all his geeky buddies. They plan to sneak into the party, and I gotta say, their their plan is quite disturbing. They're gonna lure Mike and his goons behind the pool, then they're gonna chloroform them, then they're gonna photograph them in lurid poses? Yep, that's right, because wow. the gay that's, panic- That's some revenge of the nerds shit. Yeah, <laughs> the gay panic was real, so like him like cuddling up naked to like one of his friends is incriminating enough to completely fuck up his life. Yep. But my favorite part of this scene, Brandon, and they're obviously nerds because, you know, they're arguing about, like they have like a diagram of everything and- they're like, okay, like you be all right. You're Boba Fett. This is a Star Trek guy. And he's like, well, I want to be Boba Fett. You know, they're arguing. They're fucking nerds. They need to be bashed. <laughs> My favorite thing is when William says that he is going to blend party so he can lure Mike out, and to do that, he's gonna have to drink alcohol. Brandon, you could get addicted. <laughs> That is a line that my friends and I it's quoted a good extensively for a long time. You could get addicted. We then meet Kenny Fisher, or Special K as he calls himself, in a convenience store with his friends. He's played by podcast fave Seth Green. Mm-hmm. His first line, by the way, is, yo, I gotta have sex tonight. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Brandon. This isn't your favorite character in the movie? Not my favorite character, no. His okay. freeze frame reads one game... <laughs> His freeze frame does read one game of JV basketball, which I did get a chuckle out of. And his quote is, picture me rolling from Tupac. Mm -hmm. This, I mean, this character is out out of all the characters that don't hold up or the bits and pieces that don't. This does not hold up. Unacceptable today. (laughs) Dude, cultural appropriation at its most reprehensible. This character, by the way, perfectly parodied in Not Another Teen Movie by, I think it's Sam Levine, who's playing like the Asian gangster wannabe who gets, I think, kicked in the face at one point in the movie. But there were so many kids I sadly knew back in the day that sometimes dressed like this, talked like this. It's rough to listen to. This is the worst kind of white kid impersonating black culture. It's fucking nails on a chalkboard throughout this movie. It's essentially the Malibu's most wanted character. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. And it's grating, man. I gotta say... I didn't think I could hate Seth Green on camera, and I've seen fucking old dogs, man, and I, I don't know. Oof. Yeah, this was just rough for the first. I mean, until you really find out more about the character and learn, and he does have some sort of redemption, but, man, is it hard to like this character in 2020. Man, I laughed at him growing up. I th- like, And you are like, supposed to. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, growing up, this definitely, again, watching it now, it's a bit of an issue because – you know, that is a, a common issue we run into with a lot of these movies that we cover on this podcast is watching it now. You think it's a little bit more problematic than funny. Um, but growing up, the joke was you are supposed to laugh at this guy like he he is being ridiculous. He's being racist. He's being ridiculous. And it's supposed to be funny. And growing up, definitely laughed at it. Yeah. Um, now, again, it is hard to get over that hump of just like. this guy should have been beaten up like a long time ago. (laughs) They get away with it because he's clearly the butt of a joke. And we're supposed to mean that, you know, we're supposed to think that he's an asshole doing this, but I don't know. We just spend so much time with him that it's hard. (laughs) Exactly. This isn't a person you're supposed to idolize. For sure. Yes. And he is supposed to have a little bit of growth. Which he does. I'll admit. Yes. Story. Character. We also get a little bit of Melissa Joan Hart 
She's here as a yearbook yeah. signature hungry lady. I guess she was supposed to have a much larger role, but was shooting Sabrina the Teenage Witch and just didn't have the time to do more. But it's funny because she actually shows up in Not Another Teen Movie as, I think, a very similar character who's just telling the guy not to clap at certain moments. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. And it's funny because I do, like, there are parts of this movie and Not Another Teen Movie where I was like, wait, I thought she did this. And then I remembered, oh, wait, no, that's in Not Another Teen Movie. So it is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. But it is also kind of disappointing because if you watch Nickelodeon growing up, there wasn't many more celebrities more famous than her, at least for, you know, the de- the demographic we were when we were growing up watching this movie. For sure. She was everywhere. Very popular. So Kenny enters the party with his boys. He's essentially like a wannabe gangster, but his big plans for the night are losing his virginity. And he plans to do so by tomorrow. So he's He's got the American pie mentality where he's like, well, I got to lose it before I graduate so I can go to college and be a fucking pro. <laughs> that's right man it's a problem we all face growing up oh yeah so then it's kind of we're in the party which again i like that it happens very quickly we catch up with the nerdy guys in the midst of their plan we also catch up with some white kids trying to trick the foreign exchange student into saying crude fa- phrases classic american assholes uh then we get some white zombie playing in mike's entrance yeah. to the party which i did remember as a kid and it's still pretty sweet now he's like high-fiving dudes and then melissa joan hart comes in and he throws it to the ground and he's cheered by everyone I, this is pretty funny fucking so. hilarious man <laughs> dexter is the fucking best he's a god oh uh, he's a role model man uh yeah. then all of his crew meet up with their girlfriends and again he's reminding them all of the plan you know you got to break up with them and they're one of them is uh jamie presley Yep. Who actually is also in, not another teen movie, funny enough. As he's talking to them, Amanda walks in through the door in slow motion. Another little funny parody reference. But this became kind of, this is the first time you're seeing her. And this is the first time I saw Jennifer Love Hewitt, as far as I can remember. I know I know what you did last summer came out before this, yeah. but I think I saw this before that one. So this may have been the first time I ever saw her. And wow, is she beautiful, man. <laughs> she looks Stunning in this movie. Like, unbelievable. She looks so, so good in this movie. It's tough to tell what's being made fun of and what's like being taken seriously in this movie because everybody turns and looks at her when she walks in the door. And like, I guess it's like, you know, you're made to think like, well, it's because like her and Mike Dexter, like the big item in school just broke up. But it, I do think it's just like, think back to like any normal situation you've ever been in. No one would fucking turn around and like <laughs> stop the party because someone just walked in. You know what I mean? The, her freeze frame reads, you know, cheerleading prom queen, her future plans undecided. And her quote, I'd rather see the world from another angle by jewel. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Preston's smiling like a fucking dork as she walks in. Cause he's got this letter that he's going to give her. I guess he's been sitting on this letter for four years. Is that what we're meant to believe he wrote it then? Or is this something he's just written to give her? I think he's, I don't know. He says he's at the end of the movie. He says he's rewritten it like a million times. Okay. So okay. It, I think it's something that he's just constantly working on. We did forget to mention. And unfortunately I know I meant I did bring it up earlier, but Worth mentioning again, uh, as he's sitting in the car kind of pumping himself up, Mandy by Barry Manilow starts playing and he takes it as a sign. Because again, and we can't reiterate this enough, Preston is fucking out of his mind. (laughs) Yeah, really creepy, man. Really creepy. She heads over to her friends who try to console her, but Mike, you know, glares on like a dick. Classic. We get the second Smash Mouth song in the movie, Can't Get Enough of You Baby. Preston and Denise wander around the party 
And we also find out that they dated in the eighth grade for like a week because they're best friends now. And Preston winds up leaving her to listen in on the popular girls chatting with Amanda. There's a very dated conversation in which they keep calling her Gwyneth and Mike is Brad. <laughs> this whole Brad Pitt, Gwyneth Paltrow thing. They stretch that little fucking in This is going to stay relevant <laughs> forever. Not so much. Uh, Kenny continues hitting on the girls, very unsuccessful at doing so. He's got these super baggy jeans on with a chain, some yellow goggles. Again, man, not my favorite character. Yeah, say that now. <laughs> But think back to every other character. And Brandon, you can only pick a main <laughs> character for your favorite character. No picking. Are you kidding me? No picking oh, one of these bullshit, shitty like dude. side characters with like two lines. Like you can't pick Jason Siegel. You can't pick like one of the girlfriends or something like that. No, you have to pick one of the main cast. And I know what you're thinking. Fucking, you know what? <laughs> Kenny's kind of funny. And you don't like Mike Dexter. You don't like Preston. You don't like. Funny. I love Dexter. No, don't twist my words. I love me some Dexter. No, and no, no. I, could see I can't like Seth Green, dude. He's at one point he tries hand reeling fi fishing women in. When has that ever worked? <laughs> it is like a lot at one point. It, it, there's, there's, there's a point where it's like, okay, we get it. He's striking out like because he's an idiot. It definitely, they definitely do. <laughs> think it's playing a lot yeah. funnier than it really is and william is getting super drunk this is the first time he's actually had alcohol and he's rather enjoying himself at this party the which beer I, <laughs> oh yeah the beer has bad. gone bad and i like his whole little arc that he starts to go on here where he starts to kind of enjoy the the party life he's never been to one of these parties his friends are kind of you know doing their own thing on the roof and we keep cutting back to them doing absolutely nothing yeah kind of pointless <laughs> for those guys unfortunately yeah. but um it's funny because this character i mean they really kind of made like a big deal out of it like they did in book smart you know what i mean like it it is that like person who's just like has been kind of focused on you know the future for his entire college or high school career and then just kind of breaks loose one night and just kind of changes as a person so i maybe that's why it 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 speaks so much because we have seen it done in different ways they kind of do this in super bad too a little bit um yeah so uh, it's it's funny because i think out of every character in this movie uh, even as ridiculous as he gets at points i think he's probably the most realistic amanda overhears more and more rumors but finally there's a moment where she's all alone while we get a little third eye blind serenading us over the stereo fuck yeah Love it. Preston is finally able to sit next to Amanda, but there's this guy, and I honestly, if you if you could, if I could pick any character, it would probably be this guy. This guy who keeps reciting all these terrible stories from Preston's past at the worst possible moments. Um, but you can't. He keeps pick him. blowing up his spot. I know I can't pick him, but I love. You his have to whole... pick. A, you have to pick a person who got a picture freeze frame. <laughs> yeah, I got to pick someone on the fucking cover here. Yeah, but they're all white on the cover, so they wouldn't include this guy. Sadly, <laughs> oh, yikes! But this did get my biggest laugh of the movie when Preston tells the guy, he's like, "Hey, how about the story about the time you know you, I was trying to talk to this girl and you came over and ruined my chance with her, or whatever?" And he walks out in a huff, and the guy says, "I'll never forget this man. It's all about the memories." <laughs> <laughs> Very good. His delivery is so good, yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, man. I don't know why, but it really fucking hit me. I laughed so hard when he's... I also... And I can't believe I'd never... I'll never forget. I can't believe just... There's so many side things going on. We don't really have time to go over all of them. But um, one of the things that keeps coming back, and I can't... I, I can't believe I forgot about this, because it, to me, it's just kind of funny. This band that is set up to play at the the party 
doesn't even play a song because they break up <laughs> before they even play the first song. And like, they just like throughout the rest of the movie, it's them like fighting. And then at the end, they're like, how about a reunion? <laughs> they never played it. They never played a goddamn song. And they're like, it's so how great. About a, how about a little reunion? Maybe we can play some of the old hits, <laughs> some new ones. It's so like, that is fucking funny to me. It really is. The band is called Love Burger, and it's led by Brecken Meyer, who you know, you know from like Road Trip and Robot Chicken, yeah. and he's actually—I mean, Garfield's owner, but he's actually married to the, one of the co-writers and directors of the movie, actually, which is kind of funny. But it, the only other one I recognized from the group was Donald Faison on the drums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Donald. And I love this. Yeah, it's their first gig. Oh man, it's so funny, man. Like that. <laughs> it's a great running bit. Yeah, there's also a bit that never. I would say never pays off, but they just keep cutting to this. It's this three jokes, you know, because again, rule of thirds and comedies. Chris Owens, the Shermanator from American Pie, is just seen stealing shit every so often. Yep. He doesn't have a single line in this movie. He just like every once in a while, he's not hanging out with anybody in particular. He's just stealing shit. (laughs) Just completely random. And Kenny has overheard a conversation that a girl has been cheated on because he's pretty, you know, defeated at this point is almost thinking about giving up but this girl behind him says she plans to sleep with the next guy who talks to her so naturally kenny like a creep swoops in works his gross magic and they plan to hook up but he needs to go to the bathroom i guess to read the kama sutra and stretch he also says that he's gonna put he's going to put a condom on before he even goes into the pool house to meet this girl like that's yeah and i think we're also meant to, it's meant to imply that does he shoot in his pants when he's up there because he has to get the blow dryer on his jeans at one point? I don't think so. I think it's I, I, I can't remember what specifically it was for, but the the whole point is that he's got like this backpack full of fucking insane shit. Like he's got the Karma Sutra. <laughs> yeah, sex paraphernalia. Yeah, a bunch of sex paraphernalia, lube, like fifty condoms, like it's just fucking out of control. Um, you know, obviously just like overthinking it too much. Um, he has to go to the upstairs bathroom because again, another running joke that I, I hate to keep going over these, but there's so many of them. Shit's getting trashed downstairs and the, he can't go to the bathroom downstairs cause the line is a mile long. So he goes upstairs where nobody's actually allowed to be, but the door is kind of broken. So he, you know, he's not supposed to shut it all the way. So Denise walks in and he flips out. They both end up getting locked inside the bathroom accidentally, and they'll pretty much spend the rest of the movie there for the most part. The nerds have been awaiting instruction, but William still has yet to emerge from the party. He's enjoying his, you know, first high school experience. He's fucking getting hammered. He's the life of the party. (laughs) He does become the life of the party. Amanda is sort of explaining how she got to where she is now to her second cousin. This is so weird, man. You know, she's trying to figure out if she really has an an identity beyond Mike Dexter's girlfriend. And Preston, meanwhile, is practicing his can I wear your skin (laughs) speech (laughs) to the uh, foreign exchange student outside. Would you like to touch my penis? That's the next. uh, That's what he says. (laughs) Uh, who's also been blamed for much of the destruction around the house party, by the way. <laughs> Rough. What an asshole. Everyone's just blaming them. Because he can't defend himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so mean. So Kenny is stuck with Denise in the bathroom. The girl he planned on betting is getting with her ex anyway. 
So apparently they used to be friends way back in the day. And so their whole thing is them going to be connecting and and uh, maybe boning by the end of tonight. You know what? There's no point in us going back and forth. They hook up. They, they do. They do. They hook <laughs> up. It's super awkward. Um, they get in a fight afterwards. We'll get back to it. There's no point in going back to it at this point. You know, it, like sure. there's just like it's just them flirting back and forth. They they end up hooking up. Yeah, and Amanda ends up throwing that guy off her. By the way, yeah, her second cousin tries to make out with her. He gives the quintessential disgusto creep remark, like you were practically begging for it. Yeah, uh, yeah again, gross man. Yikes, that was gross back in the nineties, man. <sighs> William smoking up for the first time. His friend's still chilling on the roof. Mike is hitting on underclassmen, one of whom I think was Selma Blair. Preston throws away his letter. He leaves the party rejected. Yeah. Melissa Joan Hart is desperately searching for her yearbook, which is in the trash. Then the letter, which he threw out, falls out and is tracked back into the party like the fucking Polar Express ticket is willed right in front of her in a pretzel party bowl. Yep. On the football field, Preston sits on the hood of his car while talking to himself in his head, and for some reason, Barry Manilow, who's live from his concert in Tokyo, is taking questions on the radio. On this <laughs> local radio station. I mean... <laughs> again, again, that's gotta be... Again, that's so ridiculous. Yeah, It's, it's like so playing fucking on the trope, absurd. Yeah. yeah, and and yeah, it's playing on the trope, and like it, it is kind of funny because, you know, he's... Obviously, if you're watching this and you have any sort of sensibility. He's talking about all these signs and like, oh, fate and how this is meant to be. I got to tell you, if Barry Manilow was randomly taking questions from Tokyo at my local radio station, I might take that one as a sign. That one I might be like, you know what? Like that, yeah. I can't deny that one. <laughs> That's the, yeah. Yeah, especially because Mandy had literally just played again while he was like sitting on the hood yeah. of the car. It's just, yeah. You're playing Mandy at the top signs. of every hour. Amanda Meanwhile, finally reads the letter, and she's so moved by its contents, she sets up to find who this Preston is, because she doesn't know what he looks like, despite going to school with him for the past she four fucking years. can't fucking remember him. My heart just sank thinking, like, oh, this Preston kid is fucked. <laughs> He's yeah. so obsessed with her, and, like, is so convinced that they're meant to be. Like, this is some fucking red flag serial killer bullshit. Like, he's, he's like, we're meant to be. She doesn't fucking know who he is at all they've never talked they've never said anything to each other and again i mean my graduating class i knew everyone's name at least you know what i mean even the people you don't if you've gone to the same school with these people for four years you'd expect to at least know who they were you and i had probably different i, I don't know what your graduating class size was but a little over a hundo dude yeah mine was closer to like five or seven <laughs> so like ah <laughs> oh, shit so like i knew i knew i would say i knew close to 90 percent of the people in my graduating class if there was someone who i liked i would have talked to them you know what i mean like there's no way i would have like just like viewed from afar and been like we never spoke <laughs> And Preston faces a real problem that we don't really anymore. Uh, he needs a fucking phone. So he calls the radio station from a booth, gets through to Barry, but is then hung up on by fucking Jenna Elfman out of nowhere in an angel outfit. Fucking she- awesome. <laughs> you want to talk about like 90s heroes that just come out oh of nowhere. Oh my God. Darman Greg, dude. Yes, sir. 
Uh, she apparently is a dancer whose bachelor party evening ended with her car breaking down, so she's calling for a tow truck and calls him a loser, basically. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I am a fucking loser. Yeah, she says what everybody watching this movie is thinking. Like, are you fucking out of your mind? <laughs> um, <laughs> but then she feels bad because he kind of comes to grip to it. And he's just like, yeah, I'm fucked. Like, what have I been doing? But she's able to kind of talk him down. She explains that... At one point, she wanted to meet fucking, um, oh, what's his name? Scott Baio? Scott Baio, was that it? Joni Loves Chachi? I um, think so, yeah, yeah. And she, you know, she said, there was, for some reason, I always believed that, like, if I just kept it in my mind that I knew it was going to happen, one day it would. And she did. But she never said anything. Yeah, she never said anything when she got finally got the chance to meet him, and she regrets that. So. Kind of like when you fucking saw Jennifer Love Hewitt. <laughs> At a fucking party and you didn't say anything, you fucking Dude, moron. No, I'm not a fucking moron. I respected her boundaries and I wasn't a Preston, all right? I'm not a Preston. I'm a fucking Mike, dude. I'm a Mike Dexter. Yeah, I don't fucking believe you at all. Come on, man. I'm a Mike Dexter. I high-fived okay. her husband. Did you really? <laughs> no, of course not. Oh, oh man. Fu- I fucking awesome. hate you. Why do you even bring this up? <laughs> yeah, but so this convinces Preston. He's like, you're right. Like, I got to go say something. Then we get a quick little gay joke because we need that. Oh, yeah. Um, That because she thinks that like because he's been obviously like telling her about his huge crush and she thinks it's on Barry Manilow, which eh, kind of funny. (laughs) So the band, like you had mentioned, meanwhile, failed to play a single song. (laughs) The singer at this point quits. So some guy puts on Guns N' Roses, Paradise City, and William knows this song. So he runs in and gives a legendary performance. (laughs) This is one of my favorite fucking scenes, I think, in, like, any movie. <laughs> like, I love this scene so much where you just... Uh, this is this movie introduced me to this song. Oh, wow. Uh, it's my favorite Guns N' Roses song. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love, right. Yeah, I love Paradise City. Um, I'm not a huge Guns N' Roses fan, so, you know, the bar is set pretty Shit. low there. But for whatever reason, I've always pictured, like... At a party, someone fucking getting up and just wailing fucking something like Paradise City. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Slowly but surely, he wins, you know, the entire crowd over. All these girls in the audience think he's so fucking sexy. They're even, like, measuring how big they think his dick is. Yeah. It's funny, <laughs> dude. It's it's like... Oh, my God. I mean, they've, they've, no, they've it, been it is, laughing it is. at this, this kid scene. for his whole life and just, like, no one's ever even thought about him. All he has to do is get fucking hammered and, you know, take off his shirt and sing Guns N' Roses. And suddenly he's fucking the legend of the school. Like, he's the new Mike Dexter. <laughs> he is, yeah. And he's making out with two girls in the makeout closet. Fuck. Yeah. Mike, meanwhile, is chilling outside when none other than Trip McNeely sits down. Played by yeah. Kangaroo Jack's Jerry O'Connell. There you go. I knew that was coming. Um, We do have to mention, because we haven't really brought up Mike, um... Mike, none of Mike's friends broke up with their girlfriends like the plan was. They all like right. decided to stay with them, you know, and they all come up with excuses. But the reality is, you know, they, they're good people who like their girlfriends. Or at least don't <laughs> want to spend I mean? the summer not having sex because they kind of see the cards laid out. <laughs> exactly. So he's just, you know, so he's out, stri- he's striking out with a bunch of women. He's kind of left to his own devices because his friends are not doing the single guy thing that he said that they would do. And then he meets Trip McNeely. What a name! Yeah, fucking Trip. <laughs> I wish I would. I would watch. So if fucking they want to make Can't Hardly Wait two, and Mike Dexter and Trip McNeely are both in it, I'll watch it. <laughs> but I'm in yeah, for I'm sure. In. But 
so Trip McNeely was essentially the Mike Dexter of the class before. It's funny that like you know apparently like he was also a football star or like a sex. They never met. Yeah, he's it's Wooderson. It's Matthew McConaughey and Days and Confused. Yeah, exactly. You know, I get older. They say the same age. Even though it seems like he's just one year out. He's of, only one year, <laughs> one out, year out, of out of high school, right? Yeah, he's <laughs> only one year out of high school. So like, <laughs> he's got like five o'clock shadow. Though they bring him back, like he's been through another fucking world, shell shocked. <laughs> yeah, he looks fucking terrible. He looks like he's been through fucking Nam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know. Trip was supposed to be the Mike Dexter of the year before, where just like he was a sex legend, where he was just banging yep. chicks left and right. But he goes on to explain that freshman year of college has not been like that. Uh, apparently, the women in college have higher standards than the women in high school. Yeah, Brandon. girls are all serious and shit. They're always talking about like fucking smart things and goddamn shit. Yeah, I ran into this problem in college too. Girls were fucking smart and shit and didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> Um, Guys like me and you were a dime a dozen. <laughs> and then as he's like about to leave, he's like, "Hey, you're still with Amanda, right?" Uh, and he like lies, "Yeah, yeah, good, good. That's the best advice I could give you. Stay with her, man." I would not break up with her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And bring flip flops to college because I got warts all over my feet now. Yeah, Trippin' <laughs> Neely fucking sucks now, and it's just kind of like it's Mike Dexter looking into a fucking window to his future. So he runs in to find Amanda. And Amanda, who's been on a search looking for Preston, is just about to leave when fucking Mike stops her and essentially, like, asks for her back. Yeah, and then, so at first he asks for her back, and then when he notices people starting to take notice or, you know, start paying attention to them, all the, the music shuts off, and so suddenly they became the focus of the entire party. And then he's like, well, you're right, I wouldn't want you back anyway after she tells him that she doesn't want him back. But then he keeps, like you know, even in front of people, sort of begging her to take him back, essentially. He's saying, like, really stupid shit, yeah, too. It's yeah. hilarious. And she calls him a childish, self-centered asshole, and it's silence until someone breaks out the F word. It was like, oh, man, 1998, we didn't need that. Yeah. Which prompts the entire room to erupt in laughter. The F word, by the way, being the gay slur. Yes, the slur version. Not yeah, fuck. Exactly. We're okay said a couple times. Yeah, we're, we're okay saying fuck on Nostalgia Be Damned. We don't give a fuck about that. This is a pro-fuck podcast, but not the other one. Not the other one. Pro-fuck podcast? <laughs> yeah, if one of our listeners wants to give us a little blue ribbon to put on our avatar that sure. says pro-fuck podcast, uh, I would happily do that. Yeah. Maybe we'll make up some t-shirts for the 100th episode. Pro-fuck Pro podcast. Pro-fuck podcast. <laughs> Oh, boy. But at this point, a ton of dudes come up to Amanda saying the most misogynistic shit just now that realizing she's finally single. And Preston confesses his love for her here. Bad timing. Yeah, what bad timing. She goes off on him, tells him to get a life asshole, and he's pathetic and all this shit in front of an audience once again. This is what I've been thinking, though, the entire movie. She's like, I haven't been single for five fucking minutes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep, exactly. And it's like, yeah, in real life, this would be the situation where, like, she broke up with her boyfriend that day, and then they had a big falling out at this fucking huge party, and then, like, people come up and ask her out. This would be the reaction that they would, like, it shouldn't have taken, like, seven guys to get to this. <laughs> the first guy should have been reamed out for this. 
for sure. But Preston is completely <laughs> heartbroken, destroyed, just staying there, like, mouth agape, like, oh, my fucking God, what did I do? Yeah, she's saying the meanest fucking things to him, and he's like, what happened? It's fucking so funny. Yeah, if, <laughs> if anything in life is to prove, you know, fate or destiny is not <laughs> real, it's that moment. It's it's actually oh, reality reigns supreme. And William actually comes upon Mike. Because he plans, like, all right, we're f- I'm, even though I'm drunk, I'm still going to go through with my plan. But Mike actually apologizes for bullying him. And they have a real heart-to-heart and stuff where they sort of bond and connect as actual friends. Yeah. Everyone seems to be reconciling, including the band Love Burger. <laughs> with that, yeah, I love that line. What do you think about a reunion? It's so funny. <laughs> they never played a song. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then Kenny's friends downstairs... You know, we haven't mentioned Kenny and Denise upstairs, but Kenny, his friends downstairs, utter the N-word, which gets a record scratch and gets them chased out of the party. Holy fuck. Just didn't need it. Didn't Uh, need it in the movie. Not at all. And yeah, Kenny and Denise have hooked up at this point. And this is when Loveburger is about to play their very first song as the party is crashed by the cops. (laughs) (laughs) Loveburger's the best. (laughs) Classic party evacuation. You know, William throws Melissa Joan Hart's yearbook in the goddamn pool. And, uh, you know, because it's dark, William's buds accidentally chloroform William and Mike and then put them in sexual positions. And then they don't realize it's actually William until they get their fucking flashlight turned back on. But, you know, yeah. oh, boy, they just ditch him and they're discovered by the police and arrested. <laughs> yeah. Upstairs, Kenny is no longer a virgin. And then he automatically starts like... For a bit, he started talking like his old self, like a normal fucking human being, without putting up any sort of charade or act. And then after having sex with her, he starts turning and reverting yep. back to his fucking dipshit self. Because we find out that through dialogue that Kenny finished rather quickly. <laughs> yeah. I, they just, they have this back and forth. They end up fighting and then reconcile almost immediately. So the next day, William wakes up in prison only to find out that Mike took the blame. So later on, he actually sees Mike and some of his friends at a diner. He tries to thank him for taking the fall, but Mike acts as though he remembers nothing that happened the previous night and ridicules William in front of his friends. Go home and watch Star Trek, Urkel. (laughs) Hilarious, by the way. And then one of my favorite high school devices ever, the freeze frame and like little subtitles explaining what happened. (laughs) So like, I fucking love it. You know, in some of these movies, it's, it's more realistic to go this route where you see this, like, the, I mean, The Breakfast Club is really the prime example of this, where these these students from vastly different cliques decide, yeah. are we going to be able to be friends the next day when we're back in public? And clearly, no, you're not going to be. You're just going to pretend. It's just going to go right back to normal. Denise yeah. tells Preston what happened last night with Kenny, and he tells her about Amanda before parting ways. Melissa Joan Hart's eating breakfast with the <laughs> memories are all we have guy, which is pretty funny that they, they match quite well. Yeah. And, uh... Preston eventually goes to a railway station about to leave for Boston when Amanda arrives and asks him about the letter. He confesses he wrote it and is about to depart for a writing workshop with Kurt Vonnegut. Okay, dude. (laughs) Sure you are. Yeah, Yeah. gross. (laughs) Fucking okay. Yeah, Preston. So the two say goodbye, but, you know, just as he's about to leave, he stops, runs back to Amanda, and they finally fucking kiss. Smooch of a lifetime. So sort of the... uh, the 
prologues for each of these characters is that uh, William goes on and owns like a $400 billion company or something like that. He, he turns into a billionaire because he's smart. He went to Harvard, blah, blah, blah. Dates a supermodel. Yeah, dates a supermodel. Mike Dexter grows up to be like super over, gets kicked off the Ithaca College football team, which is hilarious to me. My sister went to Ithaca. Um, but gets kicked off of the football team and then has like a job, but ends up losing it because it's implied that his Polaroids of him naked with another dude pop up and he gets fired <laughs> yeah. from that job. Ends up 40 pounds yeah. overweight, works at the car wash, yeah. And God damn it, I hate myself, but fucking Seth Green and... Uh, <laughs> Denise, yeah, Denise dumps Denise, Kenny yeah. five minutes after meeting at the diner, but then 10 minutes after that, <laughs> they get back they together in, in the bathroom. bathroom. Ugh, yeah, yuck. they bone in the bathroom. And then fucking Preston and Amanda... This is this one. I put up with a lot of the nonsense in this movie and a lot of the cliches in this movie because I don't take it super seriously. I'm not crazy about the idea that like this one ends as well as it does because again, Preston is fucking delusional to think that anything like this could end well. Um, it's just like yeah, like not the best message to yeah, send. Yeah, the odds of this happening are so astronomical. It's just like not. <laughs> realistic at all but so apparently what happens is amanda writes him every day that he's at this fucking kurt vonnegut workshop yeah and they're still together they're still together ah so they they live happily ever after until hopefully can't hardly wait too yeah where they're divorced where they're divorced (laughs) um hopefully (laughs) fingers fucking crossed but uh we also do get like one last scene of william's nerdy friends walking along saying that the party probably wasn't that fun, and then they get abducted by aliens. Wait, do they really? What? Yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> Is that like an after Did you not thing? see this scene? No. Yeah, it, it rolled like right after the credits. Oh, I stopped it. I hit eject immediately. <laughs> oh, you fucking idiot. It was like literally like 10 seconds. I don't know how I missed then, it. Wow. And then it's just like them walking along saying, like, yeah, the party probably wasn't even that fun. And then like a UFO flies over them. <laughs> What the fuck? That's weird. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't watch that. No. You have to go back and watch it. I was going to say, yeah. it sounds like you're making that up. All right, I'll check that out. No, I swear <laughs> to God. That's, again, that's, I mean, that's why I don't take a lot of this movie seriously. I, I mean, that's not. the end of the movie, and yes. we might as well dive into it. That's the end of the movie. Brandon, so I, I'm actually curious to hear your thoughts first before I go in. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean... I think I was a little too young to truly appreciate the movie when it first came out. Similarly to American Pie, I wound up, you know, growing up idolizing these characters and scenarios, hoping my high school experience would be as energetic and cool as the last of these type of characters. But the problem with watching this movie as an adult is there's no real person to root for, in my opinion, really. Despite some of these actors bringing a lot of charisma to the table, most of them are either fucking creeps or jerks or stereotypes that never rise above their predictable arc. But I do like where a lot of these relationships end up. It has this infectious energy that keeps it moving. The soundtrack, like you mentioned, is one of the quintessential late 90s mixtapes in my opinion and it's a treat seeing all these guys and and girls in their prime like this is the first time we see a lot of these actors and it's fun to see how far they went very much appreciate that this skirts a lot of the melodramatic like cheese of a she's all that or movies of that ilk it's much funnier than i thought it was honestly or remembered but this is no american graffiti or dazed and confused it's not an all-time 
teen comedy classic, in my opinion. It's a serviceable 90s teen movie. And I think if you were a fan of this back in the day, you should absolutely give it a watch. Because honestly, it does fairly, it, it does hold up as a movie. The only thing I think is a lot of it is a bit too dated socially to hold up in 2020 fully. But for this genre, it succeeds. I'm going to give it a fresh rating, but just barely. I'll give it a 60. I think it's better than critics gave it a 42% or whatever, but it's a pretty fun teen comedy, I think. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I have to get this off right off the bat because... Uh just based off what I'm going to say, I'm not trying to compare it to American Graffiti or Dazed and Confused. You know what I mean? Like, it is very obvious this movie is not, you know, when you're thinking of these high school movies, you mentioned the the top 50 high school movies. No, I don't think I put Can't Hardly Wait in the top 10. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know. But at 44, dude, maybe at 44. <laughs> Well, so I do think it's higher than 44, though. I do, like, no, it is not like your first thought when you're thinking high school comedies is Can't Hardly Wait. But I do think that this movie has a unique charm that a lot of the other high school comedies don't necessarily have in the sense that where, like, you know, we've seen two ends of the spectrum for the most part. You see movies like, uh, she's all that where it's like, you know, it's melodramatic. It's rom-com. Know, yeah. Yeah. Rom-com just trying to build up to so something emotional or it's not another teen movie where it's just fucking making fun of the genre. I think this splits the middle because yes, there is a little, a little bit of that melodrama with some of the main characters. I'm thinking particularly of Kenny and Denise. And because the Preston and Amanda one's too fucking bizarre. It's just too fucking weird to even consider that just like any sort of real melodrama. Like, I didn't believe a second of that. But I do think it's like goofy enough where like you shouldn't be taking this movie seriously. If you're going in thinking that it's going to be a ridiculous parody that you'd see the likes of Scary Movie or Not Another Teen Movie, you're not going to get that. But if you think you're going in and you're going to see a rom-com you know, you're not going to see 16 candles. You're going to see fucking, you're going to see something a little goofier than that. And I, that's something unique to me. And we try and watch these movies and not be blinded by nostalgia, but I did feel super nostalgic watching this movie. This reminded me of high school. <laughs> you know, it like, not to say that my high school experience was this, but it reminded me of what I thought high school was going to be, and then kind of comparing what my high school was like to this movie, which I was doing back in high school. Like I remember just thinking, like, yeah. "Oh, this made of this might have happened in Can't Hardly Wait." <laughs> made a real Kenny move today at school. Yeah. Again, I, I agree with you. There's a lot that doesn't hold up socially, um, but I think comedy-wise, I think if you're really looking for some of the you know, nitpicky things of this. I think it's really funny. <laughs> like, I I can't remember on this podcast laughing so much at a movie in a long time. Purposefully, no. Yeah, I'll agree. <laughs> yeah, I just, I like, I can't. Like, I think it is one of the funnier movies we've covered in a while. Um, and, it, and you're right, most of it does come from some of the side characters and subplots of, like, at one point, the host of the party finds shit in her fridge. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, that's not that's not a joke for everyone. It's a joke for me. <laughs> not a fart joke, but pretty close. <laughs> yeah, we got a pee joke in there, I think, at some point. All right, well, what do you what are you ranking her? I'm going to give it a 72. I think it's 72. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, think, I 
think it's way better than the 42 that critics gave it. I, I think this movie gets hated on sometimes unjustly because it's a little misunderstood. I think if you're going at it and just seeing it for what it is, I think it's a very good movie. I think it's serviceable. Um, and if you're nostalgic about it, for sure watch it. I think even if you're a high schooler or you know, a fresh out of high school kid, I think you could have something out of this movie. Again, you just have to ignore some of the dated tropes in it. But other than that, man, I had fun. Yeah, I did too. I was worried this one was going to be kind of a cringe watch because uh, some of these teen teen comedies, especially from the late 90s, sometimes on a rewatch seem a bit, ugh. Yeah. But I got to say, it was entertaining. Yeah, we had a couple of those movies when we moments when we did American Pie. Less of them here, but there are a few of them. Yeah, <laughs> totally, 100%. I think that's just because this movie is a little bit toned down. All right, man. Well, we're, again, taking a 180 for next week's movie. But before we get there, was there anything you watched that uh, you either want to recommend or not recommend? No, I was watching sports this week. Sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Sports are back. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. I watched The Old Guard on Netflix with Charlize Theron. It's not too bad, dude. It's okay. It's a, you know, out of all the action bullshit that Netflix has been producing, these nothing movies that just go sure. in one ear and out the other, it's serviceable. I'm sorry. Um, are you talking about Michael Bay's fucking... Uh, Six Underground? Six Underground. <laughs> and fucking Extraction and what are all these other horseshit yeah. movies? Can you fucking watch your mouth if you're talking about Six Underground, please? <laughs> oh, my God. And Charlie's there. And I, what a fucking treasure, dude. That woman is she's just man. incredible. Incredible. Unmatched. Thank God she's around. Yeah, thank God Lastly, I just want to recommend a movie I've seen before, but I watched it again recently. I hadn't seen it in a while. Election? Alexander Payne's Election? Fucking great movie, dude. Such yeah. a good movie. Oh, my God. All right, man. I did watch There Will Be Blood on Netflix. <laughs> oh, little Paul but Dano action? I watch that movie like every five months or so. so. Uh, on an unrelated note, have you seen any of these Kevin James Boom Operator YouTube videos? No. Go on YouTube and just search Kevin James There Will Be Blood, and it's just him pretending to be a sound boom op, like asking daniel day lewis questions about the sound recording and he cuts himself into the movie dude honestly they're fucking hilarious he's got like five of them out you need to watch some of them they're pretty okay, fun okay <laughs> i'm gonna take your word for it by the way who is your oh shit who is your favorite character in this movie by the way if i can't pick mike dexter i'm gonna go william i think william turns it out in the end you know he turns out to be a little, little fun party rat it's mike dexter but I mean, no, no no you can fucking you, Kenny, you can dude. pick mike dexter that's we can name. both be mike dexters dude we can both pick mike dexter i mean i like i obviously <sighs> mike dexter like mike dexter more than you but uh. <laughs> i'm not gonna debate that all right well yeah. next week we're headed to 2004 and under the sea right animated too it's, this is a weird movie for us <laughs> I'm, I'm like this, this is a very strange movie that we're doing but i mean you know when we're looking back at it it is it's firmly in the cultural zeitgeist um and something that I think all of our listeners, no matter how old they are, grew up watching, unless they're way older than us. <laughs> um, we are watching the SpongeBob movie, Brandon. Holy shit. Holy shit. There's a new one coming out supposedly this year, right? Uh, yeah, it was supposed to. I don't know if it's still scheduled to do that at this point, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so they've made this one, and then they made another SpongeBob movie. A few years back. A sequel to that movie, and then they're making another one, I guess. So this is... This upcoming one's going to be the fourth one or something like that? Something crazy? I think it's it might be the third one. I think there's only been two theatrical oh, okay. movies. But, I mean, we were kind of too old for this when this movie came out. Yeah, I did was not, 13 when this came out. Did not and go it, and see this in theaters. <laughs> um, but something that I caught up with as an adult, which is, again, strange, but uh, grew up but, watching SpongeBob the show. 
Yeah, everyone. I mean, if you everyone from our generation kn- at least knows of SpongeBob. So I thought it was a completely worthy episode. And the movie I genuinely loved back in the day. So I'm curious to rewatch it. It's going to be interesting. Um, so the SpongeBob movie next week. If you like, if you still want to listen, <laughs> we get it if you don't. Yeah, and if you want to listen to that episode and all our episodes, check out nbd.podbean.com. You can find all our episodes on Podbean, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, many other sites and apps. iHeartRadio as well. Give us money. (laughs) Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And you can also write us an email at nostalgiapod at gmail.com. Nostalgiabedamnedpod.com at gmail.com quite the mouthful i can't fucking remember i can barely. fucking ridiculous it's a ridiculous email <laughs> it's <a> ridic- <laughs> and please uh write us a review on any of those sites or apps it really helps out the show and tell a friend as we always let you know wash your hands be good people and uh be your own mike dexter you know what i mean i'm n- and i'm not fucking joking if you don't wear a mask don't listen to the show anymore i'm not kidding don't <laughs> don't fucking bother listening to the show if you're not wearing a goddamn mask out in public i'm fucking sick of it mike dexter would wear a mask well no mike dexter wouldn't wear a mask i think that's the fucking oh point. you're right <laughs> okay don't be a mike don't dexter don't be mike then, fucking yeah. dexter be william who fucking bangs supermodels and owns 40 million dollars wear a goddamn mask fucking sick of it wear a fucking mask peace wear a fucking mask